0: good morning good morning what is your heart song singing today i i almost always lead off with the question where in the word are you today and so obviously i want to know the answer to that question as well where in the word are you today but i also want to ask what your heart song is singing today what's on your playlist what's going to fill your heart and your mind and your home today um, so I was, uh, I was, I wrote this actually down in the little note section of my bulletin yesterday in worship. Yes, we still have printed bulletins and yes, all the words to every song that we sing are printed in our bulletin. So then you can take it home as a, uh, a handy resource, um, for those who maybe don't have a hymnal or don't have more contemporary, um, songs in their hymnal or don't want to use their phone to scroll the lyrics. So, uh, here, here was the list of Well, these are jotted down in the front of my journal. I keep uh, several pages, blank pages at the front of my journal um, every year so that as songs that really touch me in some particular way, um, I can jot down a few lines of the lyrics so that I can have them as a ready resource when I am spending time in the Word and maybe feel um, stuck or unappreciative or... Lonely or uninspired, whatever, I can just turn back there and I can just allow my heart to begin to sing the words uh, of God. So here are a few of those that are in the front of my journal. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. When I am alone, when I am alone, when I am alone, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God is another one that uh, plays routinely in my head. It's drawn from Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Allelu. Alleluia. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And this one yesterday from Getty Music, um, uh, we, we not only sang in the context of worship, but I uh, then came home and uh, turned and, and added this to my uh, personal worship litany in the front of my journal. And it's called Speak, O Lord, and it's from Getty Music. And if you're not familiar with it, I encourage you to look it up and check it out today. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Teach us, Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity. Cause our faith to rise, cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority. Words of power that can never fail, let their truth prevail over unbelief. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us, truths unchanged from the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity. And by grace, we'll stand on your promises, and by faith, we'll walk as you walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. What's your heart song today? What's your heart singing today? What's on your playlist? What fills your mind and your heart and your home? Dr. Linda Mental is up next. We'll be right back. This is my fire. Joining me now, Dr. Linda Mental. You hear her right here on the Faith Radio Network, the Dr. Linda Mental Show. You can find her online as well, drlindamental.com. Hey, Linda, I don't know, have we talked in the new year or is this happy new year? I've completely lost track of time.
2: Uh, I think we actually have talked in the new year. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> like a long 20 days, doesn't it? <laughs> a
0: really long, really long. Okay, well, good morning. Welcome back. Good Thanks morning. for joining us. Hey, it's
2: always good to talk to you, Carmen. Always.
0: So, I um I'm always tempted um you know to bring my most recent um personal dilemma to you and let you uh walk me out of it. Um but I will I will resist uh such today. Um because it's mo- it would mostly be about um how do I uh resist becoming defensive when everyone Um, thinks I should be handling a storyline differently than I am, because that's just a that's a real challenge right now um, in terms of the information that people are accessing, choosing to access, think I should be accessing um, and what we should be what we should be platforming as Christians in the cultural conversations of the day. So if you want to take that up, I would invite it.
2: Well, I, I think when you said that, I'm thinking of a recent interview I heard with A.R. Bernard, and he was talking about a lot of problems in the culture and a lot of the ways stories get reported and the, what you should you say to your church and how should you handle uh, things that you're hearing in the media. And I, he just had a very basic answer that just said, are you responding in ways that line up with the Bible? Are you responding mm-hmm. in ways that you know, are biblical? are you know obedient are you doing things the way you're supposed to be doing things and if that's the case that's your guide so it isn't complicated what's complicated is the way we feel when we've been blamed for something or people criticize us they don't like what we say it's our reaction to that that has to be godly and that's where the challenge comes in because we're going to see we see so much of this in the culture right now and i don't know if that's exactly what you're talking about but I was, you know, looking at quotes from Martin Luther King because uh, today's, you know, MLK day. And I was Mm -hmm. thinking about all the things that he says. And uh, he was one of the ones I always love is he he talks about the reason he can't follow the reason he couldn't follow the old eye for an eye philosophy is that it ends up leaving everybody blind. And, you know, I think that's a good word for today in that we're always looking for "You you did this to me. Well, you did this to me. Well, you did this to me. in our relationships, in our national uh, discourse, especially. I am so tired of the blame, Carmen. I've I've heard 20 days of this, and I've had enough for 2021. And Mm -hmm. I wish we would just stop and we would move forward. And when people are trying to give information, I wish they would just report facts. I wish it was truth-telling. And then I wish we could try to understand each other and listen to what each other is saying and try to work together.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh wise counsel. Uh let's let's talk about blame. Um that's um that's actually the the conversation we had teed up to have today. Um I don't know, where do you want to start in this conversation? I mean, why does blame Here's the here's the article you've posted. Why blame continues and unity suffers. So, Linda, why does blame continue and how does unity suffer?
2: If we look at why people blame and we can we can apply this to our personal relationships, as well as what we're seeing in the in the national, um you know, conversation. But one thing it's about blame is that it's really easy to do. Uh, you don't have to understand a person, you don't have to really dig into the facts, you don't have to know your spouse, you can just let your anger fly. And you can just let somebody, you know, take somebody down. And the problem with that is that we don't take responsibility when we do that. We don't look at our part in any problem because we're so defensive. We just want to lash out at somebody else. It's a, it's a really great defense mechanism and it's really easy to do. And that's why I think we're, we're seeing so much of it. But as I was writing that piece and I was thinking more and more about the roots of blame in a relationship, I started to think, you know, at the root of this really is pride. Because if you're telling somebody how bad they are, that they're not doing something right according to what you wanted and you're blaming them for problems in a relationship. It's because you feel like you know better and Mm. you don't have to understand that person and you don't have to really know who they are because you're just going to blame them. And I thought, you know, that's prideful. That's really taking a position of pride. And as we know from scripture, when we're in a prideful position, it, it doesn't go well. And I think if we look at the first couple, you know, it started then. It was Adam and Eve. And, you know, when Adam said, you know, this is the woman you gave me and basically blamed her for his eating, it, it, there's not a good historical trajectory <laughs> for using blame in our relationships and in our culture. And I hope we can learn how to stop doing this and actually start talking to each other again.
0: Um, I'm wondering, uh, Linda, when we come back, if we might talk about the relationship between the blame Um, That is so quick to come and how and and the energy in it, the angry energy in it. And and maybe this unconscious bias that each and every one of us has that that uh, fundamental attribution error where, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't just think that this person's ideas are wrong. I think that they you know, I think their character is flawed. Um, And and so because I think that I'm I find myself more able to blame if I actually think that other person is evil Versus just thinking that my ideas and their ideas need to be brought into conversation with one another. So, Dr. Linda Mental and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You need to listen to the Dr. Linda Mental show. Check out what Linda is writing at drlindamental.com. We'll be right back. We
3: shall overcome. We shall
0: Continue my conversation with Dr. Linda Mental. Uh, Linda, let's just continue talking about uh, blame and why, where, from where within us does this rise up? And, you know, it's obviously, um, it it obviously becomes a, an issue then between us because I'm making assumptions about the other person and I am attributing things to their character that are clearly not accurate. So let's just continue to wander around in this conversation.
2: Yeah. So the one thing that that happens with a lot of us is when we face uncertainty or we're very fearful about something or we feel anxious about something, it's very easy to be reactionary and take those emotions and just lash out at another person. And that's what we're seeing in our culture on such a massive level. And you had mentioned before the break this about this thing called attribution error. And I think that's a really important thing to think about, because it's really what has happened in our whole our whole presidential um, way that we look at this. If, you know, Trump has been labeled, regardless of what you think about what he did. I don't want to get into the politics of that, but I want to I just want to say that he has been labeled an evil person by so many people in the media. And once you see somebody in that light, once you attribute to somebody that they're just a bad person, then it's really hard to ever have conversations, to ever think about the things that they talk about. I want us to put that into our personal relationships. If we then begin to think of somebody in our personal life, maybe our spouse, and we start thinking, well, they're just, they don't have good character. They just do horrible things. Well, I don't like who they are. I don't want to be with them. As soon as that happens in a couple relationship, you have something called negative override in the relationship. And what that means is every time your spouse then tries to talk to you, tries to address an issue, tries to bring up something that is that needs to be worked on, you are not going to listen to it. And there's data to show that that is true, because you've already decided that the person is bad. And this is what, uh, Carmen, leads to a lot of people getting separated and divorced, because they've already determined in their head, they're the cause of my problems, they're the reason I can't be who I want to be, they're stopping me from the desires of my heart, all these things that people say when they're, they're trying to leave their partner, and they attribute to this person badness, which then blocks any ability for you to think about anything they ever say, even if it's accurate, even if that horrible person is sort of a voice of the Holy Spirit coming out and saying to you something that you really need to hear. I mean, God doesn't use just holy things. You know, he used a donkey to talk to some people in the Bible. And so it's like you don't listen then. You don't hear what the other person says, and you don't understand them, and you don't take responsibility for your own actions. And that is dangerous. And we're seeing that modeled on a national level. And it's concerning to me how that is going to play out also, in our personal relationships as well.
0: When we think about um, the relationships that we have at home, and the relationships that we have at work, and in the wider culture, the relationships that we have at church, I'm um, I'm I'm very aware of maybe how thin. I was going to use the word fragile, but I think I'm going to use the word thin. How how close everyone is to eruption. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Are you noticing that as well? There's just this.
2: Yeah. And our language is inciting it. And so mm -hmm. one of the very disturbing things to me is when I I have a a Twitter account and I, you know, I'm on social media because of our show and all that other stuff I do. And, you know, I, I look at Christians who are saying the most awful things about other people. And I'm thinking this is not what Jesus told us to do. And it's Christians complaining about Christians. And every time that, you know, something happens, this, this and blame this and this, this. And I'm thinking we are the body of Christ and we are not supposed to be treating each other like this. And what is the purpose of that? It's insightful. It just makes people angrier and angrier. And then they get very reactionary in that anger. And one of the things we're seeing is unbridled inability of people to regulate their emotions. And we know that one of the things that's so helpful in regulating our emotions is the power of the Holy Spirit in us. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. We're supposed to have self-control and we're supposed to be able to regulate that type of anger. But if we're part of the problem and we're inciting other people, I I just get grieved when I read some of the things on my Twitter account from mm-hmm. other Christians because it's so awful and angry and blaming and ac- accusatory. And I'm thinking we should be encouraging each other and lifting up. It doesn't mean you can't go to somebody and you can't talk about a problem that you see if there's a, uh, you know, the church has to hold the church accountable. That's very clear in scripture, but the way it's being walked out is very concerning.
0: So Linda, I'm just going to close our conversation today, reading several verses of scripture that encourage us to build each other up. Um, And I'm going to, I hope these are, an encouragement to you today as well. Um, and for those of you who are listening, let let these verses sink in uh, and let them be the things that are reflected then in the way we talk with one another and certainly the way that we represent Christ in the world that he so loves. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another, build one another up. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such... Uh, as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Hebrews ten, uh, picking up at verse twenty four. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day drawing near. Romans fourteen nineteen. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. First Corinthians fourteen twenty six. What then, brothers? Uh, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. I could go on and on and on and on. The scriptures are full, full of encouragement that we would encourage one another and build one another up uh, in, in word and in deed. Linda, thank you for all of the ways that you encourage us and build us up um, week in and week, in, week out, day in and day out. Um, we thank you for your fellowship and your partnership uh, in the spirit and in the work that we do here.
2: And thanks for those wonderful prescriptions. If you want to have a prescription today on how to behave, that is a good one, and it will help you. If you think just about that one part, let nothing corrupt come out of your mouth. That would mm. change the conversation.
0: It would Thanks, change Carl. the conversation. Thank you, Linda. That's Dr. Linda Mental. You can find her at drlindamental.com dot com, and right here on the Faith Radio Network, the Dr. Linda Mental Show. We'll be right back. Each one of us has uh, has a story. For those of us who are Christians, our story is a story rewritten, overwritten. Um, Edited, revised, authored by God, transformed in Christ Jesus. Juan Martinez has uh, such a story. He's joining me next uh, to share his story with us a story of transformation in Christ. The book is Beyond the Yellow Brick Road.
1: This is Max Lacado. We are blind to the future. Just ask Jairus. He is the leader of the synagogue, the most important man in the community. But the Jairus in this Bible story is not the clear-sighted, black frocked civic leader. He is instead a blind man begging for a gift. He falls at Jesus's feet saying, "My daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live." Mark 5:23. You know there are times in life when everything you have to offer is nothing compared to what you're asking to receive. The situation is starkly simple. Jairus is blind to the future, and Jesus knows the future, so Jairus asks for help. And Jesus, who loves to give new beginnings, goes to give it. He'll do the same for you. Do you face an uncertain future? Ask Jesus to help you. This is Max Locato.
2: Oh
0: Freedom, oh, freedom! Oh, Joining me today, Pastor Juan Martinez. He uh, he is a pastor. Um, he has an incredible personal testimony of transformation and redemption. He joins us today in part as author of the book Beyond the Yellow Brick Road: Unlocking the Promises of God. Juan, welcome to Mornings with Carmen
3: carmen i'm so excited to be this morning with you i'm excited i'm 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 honored
0: well it's a it's a joy to have you with us today um i can we start um can we start actually with a question about heaven sure. can because i i like um, I like this. I like the invitation to be a part of a uh, uh, of a movement called Heaven Can. So, can you start there? Even though I know it's not really on our list of topics. No, no, no. You're good.
3: Hey, it's a perfect topic. It's in the book. You know, um, you know how it all came about. It's actually Heaven right? Oh,
0: it is so, Heaven yeah. Okay, see, yeah, it's yeah. good. I need it, to. It,
3: No, you're great. You did great. And so here's the thing. And you're doing good because you got really excited about it. Some people are like, what's that? You know? And so here, here it is, you know, one day, you know, it was a couple of years ago when we were having a lot of racial divide in the country and all that, which, you know, I believe that if we can all claim uh, a then we would all be under one umbrella and this world would be a better place. And how it came about was that uh, I was preaching and I felt like while I was preaching, you know, I was telling everybody, we're citizens of heaven. I said, it's kind of like I'm I'm from I'm Puerto Rican because I'm from Puerto Rico. You know, some of my friends are Mexican because they're from Mexico. And if, you know, you're from Jamaica, you're Jamaican, Afro-American, you know, African, you know, all of this stuff. And I go, you know, if you're a citizen of heaven, you're a Hevican. And it just came out of my mouth, meaning that us as Hevicans, we understand that we're citizens of heaven. We're ambassadors here on the earth. Passing through, and no mat- we operate out of different legal rights, right? No matter where, you know, one thing I learned that when I was young, I would get upset because I would see diplomatic plates in New York and they would park wherever. Later, I would find out that if the guy was from France, he was operating out of France's rules, even though he was in America and in a, and in a, in a car in America. So I got from that that no matter where we are, heaven resides in us so whatever I touch is heaven wherever I walk is heaven because we're citizens of heaven and that's where hevican came from
0: okay I love that thank you for clarifying that what uh what a great understanding of ourselves as ambassadors of the king and Come the on. kingdom citizens of the kingdom of heaven amen I just uh I love that um all right I think it's you uh, it is you mentioned your childhood um, tell people where you grew up uh, and a little bit about your backstory, because I do think that it helps us understand the just uh, the amazing redemption you've experienced, but also your genuine transformation.
3: Oh, thanks so much. So I, you know, growing up, you know, Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican kid that looks white, right? And I say that because I had an identity crisis, right? So, so the reality is I couldn't hang out with one side because I wasn't white enough. Uh, I was Puerto Rican and I couldn't hang out You know the Puerto Ricans I had to prove myself because you know I was blue eyes light-skinned kid and uh, you know I had to be tougher than everybody else I had to be the crazy one in order to just be accepted so I believe that at a young age you know my father walked out um, and I was about eight and I I truly believe you know if you're out there and your father and you're listening you know it's really important to have a father in your life you know and sometimes we think discipline is the dad yelling with the big belt and uh, it's really not. I believe that a father's discipline is more about breaking your will than it is crushing your spirit. And so I didn't have a father to break my will. So I went after the desires that were in my heart and paced upon all the rap music I was listening to, you know, back then. And it kind of lined up with the movies and the movies lined up with what I saw outside. And then, you know. I, my mom, you know, we grew up Catholic, so you know, big shout out to the Catholic brothers. But at that time, I didn't, I wasn't encouraged to read my Word, none of that stuff. I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, he was somewhere far, far away, and you know, I, I gravitated to all of those things in the streets because what I heard the guy talking about a church really wasn't the reality that I saw with my eyes. And so I would, you know, go outside and I saw the people hustling and selling drugs. And then I I saw that in the movies too, like Scarface, and then Jay-Z, Biggie, Tupac, everybody talked about the same thing. So I felt like that was truth. And you know, I'm a person who, I believe that the truth that we embrace is the reality that we live, even if it's a lie. But if we consider it to be truth, you know, belief creates emotions that drive behaviors. So I, I, I believed it. So it created emotions that drove my behavior and I began to gravitate as a fly to a trap on a shiny light. I gravitated to everything that was shiny the cars the women the fast money and so at the age of 13 I started doing drugs and you know selling drugs and then 14 got into selling heavier drugs and by the age of 14 I'm selling throughout all the high school Um, my mom gets remarried you know my stepfather may he rest in peace right now died at an early age cancer the throat Um, you know I wind up becoming the guy that's selling drugs to adults in the bars because they winded up owning two bars and now i don't know what's crazier me selling the drugs to the adults or the adults that was buying the drugs from a kid but you know i guess in that lifestyle it doesn't matter all that matters is, is is the product good you know and so i i winded up just becoming this kid you know i was raised by my mom my mom did the best that she could but she wasn't a, a father you know she was the mom and and the father that i had he was kind of more like a friend you know like i'll see him every now and then and we hang out in bars and drink So, you know, we take shots together and there wasn't really a a breaking of the will, you know, it was like, let your will run wild. And so I just did all that all the way through high school, try to get away from it, you know, because my mom. Put a, instilled a lot of good seed you know it just wasn't enough because i didn't know how to walk out the word and i didn't understand that you had to walk out the word and i didn't have anybody to really talk me through things everybody that talked to me saw the same movies and they didn't have dads and they listened to the same music so we all were like-minded and like-minded people wind up in the same places and so what winds up happening is that i try to leave to the military i do my civil duty by fighting for this country Uh, You know, I get discharged uh, honorably beyond my belief. I don't know how that happened because I, you know, utilized the uniform to really like sell more drugs because now the cops would stop me and I would just kind of get my military talk on and they would just let me go, you know, and uh, with the car full of drugs. And so I would transport stuff and all that. And then Before you know it, I'm in after hours. When I get out of the military, I go go nuts. You know, I'm in after hours selling to like soap opera people, stars and, you know, all kinds of the nightlife. Right. And, you know, mob people. And just it just got really crazy for me. Um, And then I winded up going all over the place, you know, selling drugs, doing drugs. But I guess my my chaos was when I got, you know, one day I decided i seen enough movies and heard enough songs that I didn't want to just be the little guy anymore. And I said to myself, I'm going to go meet the biggest connect of all time. Actually, I did. You know, I got Connected with the creator of the universe, you know, but I I jumped in a greyhound. You would never believe this. I jumped in a greyhound bus. My mom's like, where are you going? I didn't know nobody. So I was utilizing faith for the enemy. It just wasn't divine persuasion from a godly place. It was a Mm. demonic influence, right? I was influenced by demonic. But we all have a bit of faith in us. We're created with it. And so I believed for that. You know, I always tell people, well, you believe for that? How come you can't believe for this? You know, mm-hmm. so I, I, I believed in that lie so strongly that I literally went to McAllen, um, Donna, right by Mexico to meet a cartel. And the story goes on. Before you know it, I'm on math and all kinds of stuff. I'm sticking needles in my arms. But I never thought I had a problem. I always thought it was a party. Everybody else had a problem. Because as long as I had money, drugs, and women, I didn't even think I looked. I see I, somebody sent me a picture of what I looked like. I looked horrible. I looked like the land of the living dead at one time but i thought i was you know i thought i was beautiful i was so blind it was it's mm. insanity what that it says you know scripture is true you know i'm not that guy that was just you know my dad was a pastor's pastor you know i don't even know how i'm a pastor today i'm like wow this is crazy i'm leading all these people opening all these campuses god is doing all these incredible things and all i've done is follow the word of god that's it no, nothing nothing complicated it's like i i've i've learned to just be obedient to a father, even though most of my life that void created a you know my father type of attitude, and I hated authority, and I had to just submit, surrender, die, learn, grow, and you can do that at the cross
0: okay so Vaan, kind of we're going we're going to talk about that um we got to take a very brief break when we come back we're yeah. going to talk about how Juan Martinez went from the life that he just described to the life he now lives, because in that is the promise for each and every one of us. No matter if you are um, experiencing the kind of prison that's behind walls where you are actually incarcerated, or if you are experiencing a different kind of bondage, freedom is real, and it is available, and it comes in Christ, and Juan is here to testify to that amazing truth. So we're going to talk about uh, where Juan ended up and and how God met him there. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation now with Pastor Juan Martinez. You can find him at juanmartinez.tv. We're talking about his book, Beyond the Yellow Brick Road, Unlocking the Promises of God, uh Juan has a number in uh in his heart and mind um of books to sell and there's a reason for the number. The number is 124,115. Um Juan, why yeah. uh why that number and that takes us sort of back to your story and where um where this life uh this dead the, the dead end life which you would now point to um where it ultimately led.
3: Well, you know Uh, The number is because I dedicated the book to every person that's in prison, um, both behind bars, right, and those that have incarcerated themselves in the walls that they've created but are longing to be free. In other words, a lot of times when I go into the prison system or I'm talking to people, especially pre-release facilities, uh, I kind of point at the door and I go, you guys think that when you walk out the door, you're going to be free because you think that these bars is what has you incarcerated. I said, no, but the reality is— that you were incarcerated before you got incarcerated because y'all all think the same. It doesn't matter where you're from. You wind up in the same place. That's the whole point of us being heavenly minded. Henceforth, we bring heaven to earth, but we all know that we'll be in the heavenly places. So it's the same concept just from a, a dark place. So my there's a lot of people that well, they think, well, this is not for me. No, no, no. Everybody's addicted to something. Everybody's addicted to something. Everybody has, uh, most people have, it's not just boom, I became a Christian. It's boom, I became a Christian. And now I'm removing these bars or these shackles um, mm. so that you could be set free. And there's a lot of people, I believe like 80 something percent I've read in a study that are Christians who are not set free. Think about that percentage. So what we want to do is we decided, well, I didn't come up with this idea either. I felt like God put it in my heart. I probably would have just sold the books, right? But God put it in my heart. And he said, Juana, you, do you really want to see people set free? And I said, yes, Lord. He said, well, this is what you're going to do for every book that you sell. You're going to give a book away to someone incarcerated or even in a program that basically they would not buy the book. But now because they have the book, I get to speak to them. So I was like, I'm in. So we we got a whole team to do the counts, which is actually a, I started doing it this way a little bit because it's a little easier than the 124,115 books would cover the state of Texas. But now. We're uh, 106 prisons <laughs> and to be a, uh, an actual number, 106 prisons. We're at 104 now. We just did two prisons, but we've done four men's homes and uh, three men's homes and a woman's home uh, that are addicted to drugs. We gave books away from all the books that are being sold. And I believe we're going to knock out another prison today based upon the numbers that we got last week. So that's the goal here. It's not just for you to buy a book and get set free. From, from many things, right? So it's not just drugs and addiction. There's many things uh, like food, money, you know, honesty, sex, drugs, anger, work, shopping, you know, computers, judgmental thoughts, negative emotions. There's all these things that literally uh, we are we, held captive to. But who the sun sets free is free indeed. So we have to really walk this out. That's the whole point. Him walking you out of the things that have you captive. And so that's the plan.
0: So the book is Beyond the Yellow Brick Road, Unlocking the Promises of God. Let's talk a little bit, Juan, about those promises. Um mm-hmm. because that's uh that's the that's the good news part of all of this.
3: Yes. And so you know what? It's one thing to have one thing that I'm learning, I guess in my walk, right? I'm I'm the guy that could say I, I come from hell, you know, and now I'm walking like heaven. And so the crazy part is that you know what i noticed is you know when i was in prison there were guys i guess who were in church before or maybe they were raised a certain way and they always said to me like hey man don't lose your fire and i never really understood that i'm like don't lose my fire like where's it gonna go you know what's my thought but i kind of get it now and some people would tell me you know when you get out there there's gonna be people you're gonna be way past a lot of people and i'm like what are you talking about because i didn't see it kind of like that but i understand now what they were saying they're like people don't read their bibles out there people don't People don't do that, they just go to church. And so I was like, I, I didn't get it because I was reading this Bible of these bold men who were kind of nervous and scared sometimes, but they did exceedingly abundantly more than they could hope, think, or even imagine, right? All of these things would happen, all of these miracles. These men believed they jumped into the fire. They they ran into Rome, They they did all of these things. And now I don't see that much. I see a remnant of people on the earth doing that. And and here we have these promises. So these promises are to no avail unless you walk them out. So that's why it's called Beyond the Yellow Brick Road. So it's not enough to just have the promises. It's not just just to know. It's the application of what you know, which we call wisdom. It's walking out these things. And when in my life, when I went to prison for the last time, I was facing 25 years. And um, you know what? They dropped it to four years. But in that, I felt like... That, every opportunity, you, you know, you always have an opportunity to encounter God. God is always talking. He's talking right now to each and every one of us. It doesn't matter how mature we are. It doesn't matter how immature we are. It doesn't, you know, he, he's talking to us. He's always talking to us. There's two kinds of lost people. There's the one who comes to a census who winds up saying, hey, I'm in the pig pen. And that was me. And I ran into the father's arms. He's been wait, he was waiting for me for a long time. There's that guy. But then in the prodigal son, nobody really talks about the older brother, and that guy was lost as a goose, too. And he was the one who probably did all the all the right things. He lived at the Father's house. He did all the right things. He probably did all the prayer things and probably uh, sang and did all the right things. He actually thought he was good, and actually he was just as lost because he wasn't—it's it's the whole context of that scripture. That he's talking to the Pharisees saying, hey, you know what? He's talking to the Pharisees. He's like, come on. God went after the— the, he's given him the lost coin, the lost sheep. He's given him all these examples. And now your lost brother's coming, and you who say have a relationship with God is not excited about the things of God. So he doesn't even go in, and he stays outside the room, doesn't come to the love table, to the love feast, and sit with the father and the brother. He stays outside with the crossed arms. And that's what we're dealing with in America today. And so I always see this common theme, those who have the, a true relationship with the living God, Christ, Right. And those who say they do but really don't, and they just have a form of godliness yet no power because they're not dying at the cross. That's where the power is at. It's identifying in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from a practical place. I die daily to my ways, and I continue to exchange at the cross my, uh, my his ways for my ways. You know, uh, I mean my ways for his ways, the opposite. You know, I continue to exchange that, and I. I I, I believe that in my heart, where everything sits all my thoughts, my will, my mind, my emotions, you know, all of these things, they sit there. And out of there come spring forth the issues of life. And that is a true conversion. You know, it's believing in your heart, then confessing with your mouth. A lot of times we confess a whole lot of things in our, with our mouth that we don't believe in our heart. And we all know that what you give your heart to, usually your whole body follows. So mm-hmm. if we're confessing things in our mouth that we don't really believe in our heart, That's why people go in the opposite direction. They're saying one thing, but they're going in the direction of their heart, right? Because what you treasure, your heart will also be there. So that's how I got, I was in drugs and all that. It's not that people are bad people. It's that whatever you continually do over and over and over, it creates a stronghold, wrong thought pattern, and your heart follows. So my heart was completely uh, there, and it was hardened, and God gave me a new heart, a heart of flesh, uh, not a heart of stone, and in that new heart, he began to mold it and ply it. It became pliable, and that's kind of my my life story. You know, I encountered just, Jesus in a cell with no worship team and no preacher.
0: Juan Martinez, um, what a blessing to uh, to come to know you as a brother in Christ. Want to connect people with uh, Juan's ministry? Get Wrapped TV. Dot TV. Uh, you can reach out to Juan directly at JuanMartinez.tv. The book is Beyond the Yellow Brick Road, Unlocking the Promises of God. Juan, you got to come back sometime um, so that we can talk it. about your ideas related to um, how we can fix and reform America's broken prison system. Because I think uh, you've got not only experience there, but a lot of godly wisdom to uh, bring to bear.
3: Send me the date. I would love to, Carmen. Yeah. You're amazing. I just
0: love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, all right, friends, that takes it to the post for us today. It is Martin Luther King Jr. Day encouraging you again um, to go and read or listen to some of Dr. King's sermons. Again, highlighting highlighting his sermons, the ones that he preached in actual churches, as an actual pastor, uh, opening the Word of God in the context of the days in which he lived and served. What might God have to say to us in the days in which we live, in which we are called to serve as we walk out our faith into the world that God so loves, let us do so in ways that honor Jesus as the very ambassadors of the King and the kingdom, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, bringing the gospel to bear in the kingdoms of this world. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app.